Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Some check, Postman Pints. Rebecca, say Postman Pints. Postman Pints. It's a good sound check. It is a good sound check. Well, lads, DJ here. Uh, just to give you a heads up. This episode is a bit deeper than what we usually do on the Snowcast. Um, I took the opportunity this week to meet a good friend of mine, Becca Cappuccini, and chat a bit about men- men's mental health, uh, something she's working on at the moment. We start off by just having a chat about things that uh, she's passionate about, and then eventually we talk about a really cool project she is coming up in Waterford. So I really hope you enjoy, and uh, thanks for listening. Tell the friends. Hi and welcome to this week's Snowcast. It's me, DJ Walsh, here without a one by my side this week. He's off taking care of business as usual. Um, but I have a very special guest lined up for you. But before we get into that, I'm going to take care of the housekeeping first. First thing I want to do is say you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter or at Snowcast and all of those. Nobody was stupid enough to take that title, so we have it. Um, also, we've got the Patreon if you want to support the podcast, make sure that podcasts come out more frequently. And we're lucky enough to have great guests like we have this week on. On every episode, you can support that by going to www.patreon.com forward slash snugcast. Now, enough of the choice. I am sitting here in one of my favourite pubs in the world. Everyone who is a loyal listener to the Snugcast will know well, Grady's Yard. And I'm joined by a very special guest this week, someone who I got to know by taking a very brave step in doing stand-up comedy. And for anyone who hasn't done stand-up comedy before, it is the most petrifying thing I think you can do in life. But I've got a really inspirational guest on with me this week who we started our stand-up comedy careers together. Uh, both those careers have fizzled out a little bit because of other commitments. Uh, but I don't think I know anybody who has more projects on the go or more fingers and more pies than this week's guest on the Snowcast. So Becca Cappuccini, one of Waterford's most colourful people, I have to say. Welcome to the Snowcast. It's been long overdue. Yeah, I think we've been planning this for about a year. 
about a year ago I wouldn't have had as much uh, conversation <laughs> to, to put in. Yeah, we met through stand-up comedy and I'd be completely lying if I said that this time last March when I started my comedy journey, it isn't exactly the thing that gave me the bravery to be exactly where I am now. Excellent. Um, and like you said, we started it, we did, we've done stand-up comedy together in Waterford, in Dublin, and um, people can see my, my Dublin um, effort on YouTube. Um, it was a really, I suppose, like that, it, it was, uh, for me, it was, I suppose, stepping into the unknown. Um, it was, the, I've never been more nervous for anything in my life than it was the first night that we met in the Rogue uh, Gallery and Studios. And actually, do you know what I must say this to you? Uh, your laugh and your bubbly personality on the night kind of calmed me down a bit. And uh, it went off without a hitch, we, and we've been buds ever since. Yeah, we have been friends ever since. Comedy really is one of those things that makes you question life and brings people together. Without a good laugh, what do we have? Especially as Irish uh, self-deprecating humans, you know? It was really interesting going to Dublin with you as well, because that was our third comedy. It was my third gig ever, yeah. Was it my no, third? it was my second, your third. It was my yeah. third and your second, and that was such a brave step. Yeah. Whatever about doing it in Waterford, where you know all the faces, going to Dublin, I remember putting it this way. I went on a bus for two and a half hours to do a five-minute set to get a bus back down <laughs> for two and a half hours. So I spent five hours on a bus in order to do five minutes of comedy. Yeah, but they were good five minutes. They were, I, do you know what, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was such a different angle to the first time I did it. So I did my labor story, which is available um, on my YouTube channel for anyone who wants to watch it, Becca from the blog. And it was just a completely different take on the first time I did it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing then is since getting to know you, become friends with you on Facebook, and actually following your blog on Facebook, uh, something that is absolutely clear is you're someone who, like me, has an absolute passion for food. Passion for food. How did you start your journey in becoming so passionate about food? My food obsession started at a very young age. I would have been about eight when my parents realized, sugar, this is a problem. I was brought to a Michelin star restaurant and I was taking pictures of the food, which was quite a normal occurrence. My dad was a budding photographer, so he liked to take my picture a lot and there was always a camera with us and I would have been taking pictures of the food forever. But one notable night, I asked for, there was a dessert cart like you see in these really fancy places and I asked for the pineapple and I got served pineapple salad and I ate it and I had one bite and I turned around to the waiter and I went, there's alcohol in this. The waiter was like, there's no alcohol in this. And I was like, there's definitely alcohol in this. Can you check with the chef? Because I just don't want any other children to get alcohol by accident. <laughs> so he went to the kitchen and he explained to the chef what had just happened. And the chef came out and went, my goodness, your palate is so developed. There is actually a spoonful of rum in that young lady. And I'm terribly sorry that you had alcohol. And that was my parents realizing we're not just raising a normal kid here. Someone who's, yeah, I, I, I don't have a developed palate at all. I just know what I like and know what I don't like. Like, I, I don't have um, that palate at all. But then how did, how did that passion turn into uh, a food blog? So I've had the food blog almost a decade. How that happened? I was organizing and working markets. There was a huge lull in work for me. So instead of waiting around, I created a job for myself. I showed people I could work markets and then I ended up 
creating a position as a market sub. So I'd organize the market and then I would ask any stallholders were they short staffed and then I would work their stalls and any extra stalls needing staff, I would then staff out to my closest friends when you could do the job. And from that, I ended up traveling the length and breadth of Ireland, working things from the Plowing Championship to Electric Picnic, all sorts of festivals and markets. And my market kind of network grew from that. One Paddy's Day, I launched my own indoor market on the quay. Do you know the handmade furniture store? Yeah. Well, years and years ago, there was an indoor market in there, and I was the organizer, but there was business partners in there. So we had something like 15 different stalls in there, and in there I would have met a company that's very dear to my heart, um, Elza. Um, they were the wild venison guys from Dunhill. Now, unfortunately, the guy who does that contracted Lyme's disease and is no longer working with that. But I would have then gone out to them, learned how to butcher, right? and used every bit of the animal. So I have a fully preserved John Doe on my floor in my house really? that I actually cured myself. I have jewelry that I learned how to make out of the bone and the antlers. I that day made my own sausages, burgers, uh, steak, and then helped him sell it. And there was loads of different projects we were meant to do together, but then my journey changed again, which seems to be, I, I have a tendency to reinvent myself. Yeah, you're more like a meandering river than a straight flowing kind yeah, of waterfall, no. yeah. I, I've, what I find really interesting there is um, from getting to know you and like, like this, this is what I love about Waterford. I moved to Waterford four years ago and Waterford is full of these really interesting people who just have no path, they just take what's given to them, um, which can be a good and a bad thing. But certainly for you and your food journey, like I see from the blog, like you're, you're really interested in, in different flavors and how to work and the presentation of food is also something you're really passionate about evidently from the blog but the fact that you've gone to like basically to source and how to process that source and get it to sell to a market or to a restaurant or whatever and that would have been the start of the blog so it would have been started kind of to show people what was available locally from local producers and then from that I would have started going to local restaurants and there would have been a time where I was doing eats and greets with chefs so I'd be bringing chefs out for lunch which is something that chefs never do on a Monday I'd bring them out to another restaurant make them try what they had as competition, get them to talk to me about the meal and then write about it. But that journey was also cut short because something else came in the way, you know? It's just been a constant reinvention of the blog and the blog has just been organically growing with me. And it was called Becca's Blog of Heavenly Bites and there was obviously no ring to that. Blogs didn't exist really when I started doing it or if yeah. they did, it was in America. So I'd have a lot of friends who would have taken on the blog journey after me, would have a lot more followers because it's a thing now. Whereas I've always been there, but no one really paid attention. Mm. And the dyslexia doesn't help either because I'm sure people find me interesting, but I'm not always able to put things across properly in writing. So I've recently bought a laptop to try and get things just to look better and to not be so disorganized badly grammatically, you know. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think anyone that knows me will know that like I have a certain disdain for um, rigidness and grammatical rigidness when it comes to writing and like as someone who works as a health professional I absolutely disdain uh, like professional clothing I think like you know if you're good at your job what does it matter if you have a suit on or a tracksuit it shouldn't matter so long as you're there and competent um, and just like that like the art articulation of a point if it's missing an apostrophe or a comma or if 
uh, there's one S, S in a word or one extra E, what, or, or a few letters jumbled up. I mean, ultimately, I think there was a really interesting study just to kind of segue away from the food yeah, for a second into dyslexia and other things like this. Uh, there was an interesting study done years and years ago in, in, in um, I think it was in Harvard where they, they found that so long as the letter of a word, the first and last letter are right, 80% of people will pick up the right word regardless of what's in between. They can unjumble it, correct. Um, and I think the stigma around um, issues such as dyslexia, etc., are being broke, those walls are being broken down slowly by society. The one thing that I've noticed um, since I've kind of stepped into adulthood properly and, and, and um, opened my mind a bit more than the narrow, like, you know, I, when you grew up in Ireland, there's a very straight line of what of a person should be. And the Irish education system always, like, pinned people with dyslexia and, and other similar, um, I suppose, uh, conditions would, it was just would have pinned them as stupid nearly or not academic, they're not strong academically. But what's really interesting now is I feel like our generation are starting to realise just because they can't adhere to these set of academic rules that you set in place for a five-year-old doesn't mean that they're not going to contribute greater to society. You can't get a fish to climb a tree. Exactly. And the really interesting segue I'm going to make on that, right? So I didn't grow up in Waterford. I left when I was three and we moved to Switzerland. So my parents worked for the UN, my whole entire family worked for the UN, and that would have meant that they wouldn't have been around as much, they would have been working 60 hours a week, I would have been off with minders and stuff like that. And my parents would never have noticed that when I was in Switzerland, because I was originally left-handed, no one would teach me how to read or write until I was using my right hand. So my hand was tied behind my back, I was made eat soap, and then eventually I started using my right hand. So I was eight years old, my parents decided to move to France. When we got to France, I was brought up in front of my whole entire classroom to a chalkboard. I have a phobia of chalk and sand and all flowery substances anyway, but they brought in whiteboards shortly after this incident. But they asked me to spell a word and I started crying because no one had ever taught me how to read or write. I was eight years old. My whole entire class fell apart laughing and making fun of me. And that would have been the subsequent next few years where everyone would have been ripping me apart for my spelling. My entire idea that I would ever be able to write or read completely fell apart. Now, luckily, my mom had a best friend called Lily, who's Filipino, and she has a son called Carlo. Carlo's about 10 years older than me, and he's like the brother I never had, so I have a Filipino family. We'll talk about them as well in a while. But Carlo took me aside and taught me how to read and write. But because I was so smart, I didn't want to read like a child. So I would have learned how to read from Jacques Prévert's poems. So he'd be a really influential French poet who writes these incredibly um, digestible words. Like One of his poems is about how his wife got sold to a slave market and he's going looking for her like she's a bird in a cage and how his love just got sold before he got there and just these, these powerful words and that's what eight-year-old me wanted. So my brain development, my capacity to understand things was there but I just couldn't read or write. And everyone made me feel that because of that, I was stupid. I'm an only grandchild on both sides. I've no first cousins. My whole entire life, my parents would have surrounded me with adults. I would have had a great understanding of the world based on that because I would have had to be around adults. Yeah. Switzerland is a very progressive country. France wasn't so progressive. So when we went from Switzerland to France, there was a huge disparity in how it was treated. In Switzerland, 
who have a melting pot of people. Even down to, if you have an apartment building in Switzerland, there are laws surrounding how many people from the same nationality can live in there. Because they find that ghettoizing an area means that you're already contributing to a problem. So they try and make it a melting pot. Now whether you agree with that or don't, it's an interesting concept. When I moved to France, first off, <clears throat> I was Irish-Italian in their eyes, so I was half-caste. I couldn't read or write. My parents were working in Switzerland for the UN, whereas all their parents were struggling in a poor part of France. My parents had just bought a house in the middle of this cute little French mountain area. I'd like to say where I grew up was one of the most scenically beautiful places in the world, but the time where I grew up there was a very difficult time. So the Front National, which is their national party, would have been very prevalent and I would have been an easy target for the kids who weren't being explained at home what the actual problem was. So they just thought I was the problem. So this little Irish-Italian kid comes over here, takes all our jobs, what can we do to fix it, yeah. you know? And that would have been really character building because I would have been bullied a lot. And I, yet, I, I suppose at the same time, Switzerland and France, like food doesn't discriminate. So at those formative years, the one thing that you can't get discriminated against for is food. Exactly. So does, does that cultivate and, and nurture it that It definitely helped my passion because I was always with adults, as I said, and I would either be out eating with my parents or with their friends, or I'd be in the kitchen creating my own stuff. Brilliant. Because I suppose like there you've, you've, got, you've mentioned like the strength of, of character or family and, and like you've got a really small family, so you grew up around them. Uh, I've got a really large family, I'm contrasting. Um, but like one of the biggest food influencer in my life is probably my grandmother who you know, taught me how to bake and taught me how to cook growing up and you know, luckily still teaches me how to, how to do things in the kitchen. Um, so you have another passion. I have a few, but music would be yeah. my next big passion. So music is something that I always, <clears throat> I would lock myself in my room and I would listen to music with my legs up in the air as loud as possible. You know, I would just lie on my bed. I don't know why my legs were always up in the air when I was a kid listening to music. It was like this weird yoga pose that made me, uh, I don't know, feel the vibrations better or something. It's just one of those <laughs> weird things. And I've been watching films, you know, when they're doing that in the bedroom and everyone seems to have their legs in the air. What's that about? But uh, yeah, music. So I did music promotion for the first time about a decade ago. And I've recently fallen back into that. I took a bit of a break to go and have a family of my own. And then I realized actually, now that family's getting a bit bigger and I need my own life back, sort of. Yeah. And my son is big into music as well, so he kind of pushes me forward and I'm hoping that by creating a scene in Waterford or helping a scene to exist, actually by the time he's old enough to be the best drummer in the world, <laughs> he'll have a great platform to launch off of. Yeah, exactly. And, and you've been heavily involved in a lot of gigs going on in Waterford uh, over the last couple of months. How, how did you fall back into it? You said you fall back into it. How did that happen? The love never left, but I hadn't been able to attend gigs for a while. And then I started going to gigs again and meeting people and accidentally networked my way back in, I guess. Um, as, a, as a promoter, one of the most important qualities I have that maybe makes me different to others is I have this ability to meet people 
And I always say this, and I really mean it. People might not remember what you do for them, but they will always remember how you make them feel. So if you go about life being positive and giving other people an idea of how special they are and why they're special and playing on their qualities and making sure that you show them what it is about them that makes them shine and that you try and show everyone else what it is about them that makes them shine, you're making them feel good and you're making yourself feel good and then things progress. Yeah. I suppose that's true for how we met, like because as I as I said earlier, I was really 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 nervous going into my first uh, stand up gig. I'd never met you before, and you put me at ease just by smiling and just literally treating me as if you knew me all your life. That, that was li- basically what it was. Um, so we're in Grady's yard as a music promoter. Then when you see like a new pub, Grady's yard's only open eighteen months or so. When you see a new pub open in an area, what are you looking for in a new venue? Well, there's different types of events that are possible, depending on the venue. So I would look at the possibility. So, so a lot of the bigger things that I would have in mind, I couldn't possibly do here, for instance. Yeah. Anytime I have a wacky, weird idea that I know is not going to suit me, I actually go directly to Killian and go, yeah. Hey, do you know this idea? I think it would work really well for you. And then he helps me with my ideas and he gives me contacts and we just kind of work like that. I don't have this, the Waterford Lobster Pot. Okay, so the Waterford Lobster Pot story. It was told to me a decade ago and it was reiterated two months ago and I'd forgotten about it. Basically, a million years ago, on the quay, there was a shop where you could buy your lobsters and people would queue outside for these lobsters and they would always wonder why there was no lid on the lobster pot. So eventually there was this one guy, it really put a bug in his head and he was like, I don't know, I don't want to ask the shopkeeper because I think I might be offending him because obviously the lobsters are his livelihood and I can't understand why he's not protecting him. But one day it just got too much for him. He was like, I need to know why there is no lid on this lobster pot. So he goes into the shopkeeper and he asks the question and the shopkeeper goes, these are Waterford lobsters. I don't have to worry about them. As soon as one of them starts to crawl out, the others will drag him back in. <laughs> okay. And I don't want to have the lobster pot anymore. I want everyone to help each other get along because the more of us do well and the more of us are positive and helping each other and supporting each other, the more we grow. Believing that blowing someone's candle out is actually going to give you more light yeah. is, is ludicrous. The more candles are lit, actually, the more light you create. It's like there's the tide rises, it lifts every boat, no matter how big or small kind of thing. Like Absolutely yeah. like that. So yeah. anytime I have an idea that isn't for me, I pass it on to whoever I think can benefit from it. And then they do the same for me. So a new venue like this, for instance, there's loads of ideas I've passed on and hopefully he'll use or he doesn't have to. Yeah. And I'm in talks with other venues yeah. about ideas that suit me and he helps me get contacts in other places. And that's how it should work. And yeah. That's how I work. Everybody working together. Because I think Waterford's problem in a small country like Ireland where you have, you have Limerick and Galway on the west and then you've got Cork and Dublin, the two big cities, is you get forgotten about unless you work together. Yeah. Unless you work together. Um, the Waterford pub scene then, the Waterford social scene, I suppose, is a, it, it's, it's very different to other parts of the country. Of course. Um, very different to other parts of the country. You're someone that just pops up everywhere. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I do that. Uh, my son's father referred to me as cholera because he said I was everywhere just like cholera. And he's not wrong. I just think the negative connotation and the hilarity of that statement uh, is one of the funniest things that's ever been said to me as a put down and I was like, no, I'm going to own this. I don't know how I pop up everywhere. 
I just seem to try and support everyone and by doing that I'm everywhere but yeah mm, it's really good um, I suppose when we're looking at music looking at, at, at musicians in Waterford trying to get along they do need someone promoting them they need, do, need, do need someone putting them forward for them to have the energy it requires to produce the best of themselves to use their magic and their strengths I do believe that someone yeah. like me networking and, and sharing their ideas their concepts their talents with other people is very necessary I recently got contacted from a band that I haven't heard from in 10 years when they saw I was back in promotions and I was like look this is what I'm at and he was like the reason we're ringing you is your passion I have not forgotten you in a decade yeah. because I've never met a promoter who put that much work enthusiasm and happiness into what she did and took it so seriously I suppose if you're a band um, you're trying to create your content obviously the vast majority of it is creative of course the other side of things promotions etc I suppose if you're if you're a musician you don't want to be dealing with that no um, and you shouldn't have to deal with that and I say that for two reasons A because you need to conserve your energy and B because I need to exist yeah. so I don't want you to do that I want you to come to me with your wacky crazy ideas and focus on them while I focus on you and your needs that's Perfect. why I'm here. So we've gotten to know you a little bit now. We know two of your biggest passions are food and music. I'm going to give you some quick fire food and music questions. Okay, that I want. let's try this. Right. Favourite band? Bush. Favourite song? Painted Black by the Rolling Stones. Why is Bush your favourite band? They were the first band I fell in love with when I was 12 years old. I heard, um, oh, what's it called? The Chemicals Between Us. It's a song Gavin Rosdale wrote about one of his best friends who was dying of AIDS and it impacted me in a way that I can't possibly explain it. And forevermore I was chasing every Bush album because back then you didn't have the possibility of um, the internet showing you what the music sounded like or Spotify. So I started going to every single record store in Geneva looking for every Bush album that was ever made. And then I remember Golden State launched and I bought 12 Golden State albums for my closest friends in BPM in Waterford and gave them out. That was the impact Bush had on me. Mm. Now my favourite Irish band of all time I think is really important to note as well because there's a beautiful story happening with me at the moment and them. Yeah. Uh, new Secret Weapon. I would have been working for Ruby Music and a song would have been sent to me called Tea Party and the first time I heard it my mind almost exploded and I had it on loop for about four days and my, my boss at the time said Rebecca your mission is to get these guys down for Waterford and I tried and I got no answer and back then you would have had a Facebook like page didn't exist so you would have had a band profile that was a profile page so that profile page then got taken over by the lead singer who would then become a really good friend of mine um, and they're kind of in my life again now which is really interesting just as I'm about to launch back into what I'm doing they're there again but I still haven't gotten them down to Waterford I was given a sticker a couple of weeks ago and I stuck it out outside Arch I was like finally got new secret weapon to Waterford and that's what I'm hoping yeah. <laughs> new secret weapon come to Waterford uh, but it's a beautiful story because like just the circle of everything you know how it, how it all connected how it's all connecting back I suppose it's closing the loop yeah best gig you've ever been at could not answer I'm sorry I could not answer that because there is just too many 
So you've got 10 gigs jumping at the front of your mind instead of just one? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to give you an answer now. Uh, I have to say my best gig last year. Oh, that's what I was just going to say, right? Best gig 2019. <clears throat> Surprisingly, Mac DeMarco. I was invited to a Mac DeMarco gig last minute and I basically didn't know the guy. So I went and researched all his music and I was like, okay, this is a hipster gig. What's this going to be like? I have never seen so many mosh pits in my life. <laughs> so this guy is playing this really mellow, happy, depressing music. It's very hard to explain. Mac DeMarco, really interesting guy. And everyone's moshing. Like, I mean, spiral pits. The guy did a balcony dive. It was just such a strange gig that I would have to put it down as my favorite gig of last year. Seems like a very memorable gig for anyone who was there anyway. Um, saddest moment with music. Ooh, that's a really good question. It's deep as shit. It's deep as something. Yeah, saddest moment with music. There was a while there. Oh, it's hard because I try to reclaim songs. So my approach to that would be a song makes me really upset for a while and I listen it to a point until it gets to being a happy song yeah. again. Saddest moment. Uh, do you know what? That opening scene in Up, where there's that classical Disney music playing. Man, and you're pulling on the heartstrings here. Yeah, look, that's what it's going to be because that's the saddest moment I can consider with, with, a, with a music score. Okay. What's the best Disney song? The best Disney song? Whoa. Hakuna Matata. Yeah? Possibly, yeah. I it's think happy. You, I, I'm going, you've got a friend of me. Oh, that's also yeah. good. And I kind of like Aladdin. Yeah, well, uh, the Prince Ali one and Aladdin. Yeah. Or um, one jump ahead of the front. Look, that, Aladdin those is are just, classics. Yeah. We did an episode um, last year after coming out from seeing the live uh, action version of Aladdin. Okay. And, like a reaction podcast. The only like film thing we've oh. ever really done. Where... Uh, uh, myself, Owen, and two, two of our friends, two girls, Owen's fiance actually, and Sonia, my mate, sat down and like literally just got pissed talking about how good <laughs> Aladdin was as a live action. Um, and and uh, the music in Aladdin is phenomenal, isn't it? It's really good, it's really interesting. Mm. But Disney has this way of just encompassing our childhood yeah. and using music in a very smart way. My favourite part of the Frozen franchise is the very very start of the first one when they're all chopping up the ice blocks that like just that beat and that drum and that melody where you yeah. just it, ju it just brings you to like I, I don't care what you were doing you were somewhere with your dad yeah like, you know i was like fucking chopping wood with my dad out the back or something i don't know where i went but that's that's the beauty of music similar to food it's like what feeling it evokes inside you when you hear it for the first time yeah well the first thing you'd hear as as a living being is the whooshing of the water in your mom's stomach and the heartbeat so the reason it's so embedded in you as a, as a mem memory trigger is that mm. the second thing you'll feel is your smell and that's why food is so important because your smell triggers are getting done and then the third thing you'll have is taste and that's kind of how your, your your memory works but the other thing i want to say about frozen really interesting segue right just we live for these segues oh but Frozen is a really interesting Disney film because it's the first time it's two female protagonists. It's not a story about love, romance. It's about sisterhood. Yeah. And that brings us to one of the things you find fascinating about me with the old-fashioned feminist thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we had a chat about this earlier. Um, I was watching one of one of the, the promo videos for your upcoming event that we'll talk about in a minute. And 
you you said something in that that actually really resonated with me because you said you're an old-fashioned feminist in, in that like you feel like women should support men and men support women and it, we should we should be a, a, a equal in everything that we do I use equity as a word mm. I don't think equality is the correct term to talk about different beings mm. so as human beings regardless of gender we are all completely unique and beautiful in our own way what we do do is complement each other so mm. if we look at the world as an equitable world where we all have similar chances to make ourselves shine then we can all grow together communally and yeah. harness each other's talents and use each other in the most beautiful positive ways to help each other as opposed to so we were talking we were just saying about um the first time you hear a song and what and what feelings it listens to me i was at independence in I, i'm going to guess 2013 okay. in around that yeah. time period and my favorite band are bellix one i've loved them for as long as since the first time i heard them and they did a hot press interview in a hot press tent at independence and there was like about 15 beanie bag chairs there and they were going to do an interview for hot press and it was it was kind of a nice like intimate um really really cool kind of interview so i sat down and one of the things that i absolutely loved about this was something that paul noonan said was them playing eve is the apple of my eye yeah. at independence that year is completely different than how they played it three years ago and how they played it four years ago and that song is different and how they feel about it when they perform it live is different and it really ties into what you were saying about promoting bands and getting connected with bands 10 years later and how it's not you're not quite the same no. and it's the same songs but it's a different place where you are and, and every time you experience music you're experiencing it differently now mary just dropped over I know yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna to chicken stop here for a second and eat some chicken. We'll talk right. to you about those in a second. So we just got to try potentially what's going, yeah. yeah, going to be this week's special, and how that came about, even in itself, I think DJ is something that the listeners would be interested in. Kind of sums you up, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm sitting in a local pub that I go to. I start talking to the people that work here, and eventually, I got asked how to help with the specials and make the flavors <laughs> come out, and then we end up trying something from the kitchen yeah so uh castaway which people know as owen's favorite beer castaway battered chicken might be a thing in the future it's looking very plausible you know yeah and we tried it first we tried it Fist first bumped. face bump actually no glass kink the glass oh, nice yeah i might actually just like snip that like pink <laughs> out and just use it for, like, for... instead of bleeping out curses which you don't want to anyway just pink that's perfect speaking of um you come up with menus and shit like that. I suppose the, the the main reason, besides what a fucking interesting, colourful character you are, and getting you on the podcast today, Becca, was to talk about your upcoming events. Would you like to tell uh, our listeners what's happening, when and where? I would absolutely love to talk about my new venture. I have been in love with March 14th for as long as I can remember. March 14th is obviously a very colourful day in itself. Yeah, as I think most men in the world are big fans of March 14th. Turns out not that many men really? knew about it, which has just warbled my world. I mean, when we when I was in secondary school, March 14th was a big day. Like, I'm, I'm not convinced any single one of us got either a steak or a BJ on March 14th throughout the whole of secondary school. I claimed I did, but I definitely didn't. Um, but, really? Yeah. I'm mentioning it to a few friends of mine and then I have other people that are coming to me going, oh, that's a brilliant thing, but a lot of people didn't know about it. So my ultimate play on comedy, music, dyslexia and food blogging is I've changed it to Steak and DJ Day. 
not me now, but musical DJs. Musical DJs, like, but it's cool. Even that comes together. Yeah, I mean, it would have been, I would have been honoured. When I saw it first, I was like, Jesus, Becca, I didn't realise I meant that much yet. But, but you do. Um, what I've been able to do is convince Jamie in Loco, uh, which is a Waterford restaurant, that this crazy idea is brilliant. And he'd be an old friend of mine, so we've always made jokes about how we could get Steak and BJ Day to be something we can play around with. When I originally heard about Steak and BJ Day, it had been an urban legend that it was there to raise awareness for prostate cancer. So it always kind of was in the back of my mind that that day should be used for positive. I'd be quite romantic, and I'm all about equity. So to me, if a man is being romantic or kind to me, I do the same back. I've been known to send flowers to someone who's having a big show, or I always bring my friends on bro dates or bitchmances. I try and share the romance with friends and partners alike. I've always been that way. So to me, steak and BJ Day was always important. Even when I'm single, actually, my best friend Keith will always come up to the house for a steak and then I'll be his wingman for the night. Just hoping that he get a BJ. Hoping for him. Like, I mean, what he does after I set him up with someone is his own business. But yeah, I've always tried to be that kind of wingman best friend with the best intentions. And so this idea to change the B to the D and do something positive and good. So both getting partners to spoil their boyfriends, but also best friends maybe to bring their bros out and maybe groups of men to come. Then with the DJ, I found all these DJs, there's nine of them who thought the idea was brilliant because they want to play on that day too. And then I was looking for a charity that dealt with men's mental health, but the charity I have in my head doesn't exist and it might not need to, seems to be the journey I've gone down. I'm giving you a very condensed version of what the journey was because we could be here for three months. I have been. Um, so I want to make it a community event where we get loads of people to come together and have a big party in loco. It starts at 6.50 on the 14th of March and it ends at 1.30 in the morning. For that, you get a three-course meal, which is a really exciting menu. You get a host of DJs and hopefully you leave with a lot of questions. And my hope is that this will be the start of, of change, that we stop framing all the issues we have as problems. Like one of my favorite sayings is, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. Mm. Look at a problem, and then how can I fix this and do something about it, but don't fixate on the problem. And I think that's what I'm trying to do here. Mindfulness in motion is another way I like to put it. Yeah, I, so I suppose looking from the outside in, what it seems to me what you're trying to do is just open a dialogue in the community of Waterford around men's mental health, um, the South East has a, has a, um, a suicide rate that is bigger than the national average. Correct. Um, and the suicide rate amongst young men is a lot higher than it is for any other age demographic in Ireland. Um, so I think what you're doing is brilliant. And what you're doing is a really out there, novel way to try and just remove the stigma. Who knew I could have wacky ideas, DJ? I, I, How I, unexpected. I mean, I mean, this would be the biggest compliment I paid you. You've managed to surprise me by not surprising me. That makes sense. <laughs> that does Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not surprised that you've come up with something like this. I'm surprised that what you've actually, what you turned out, like, I remember when you spoke to me about this, you, you messaged me about this months ago, 
and it was a fairly low key thing and then all of a sudden I see Loco involved and you've got all these massive DJs coming and everything and it's fair play to you like it's brilliant to just put yourself out there and try and I mean I suppose ultimately what you've done is you've you've used your passion for food to get a really nice, good well reputable restaurant in Modford involved and then you've used your skills as a music promoter to get nine DJs involved and you've used your dyslexia to come up with one of the best puns of the year so I mean like fair folks comedy in motion uh, yeah it's it's been a really interesting project I never in my wildest dreams expected it to take off the way it has I'm very very hopeful that next year it's going to be an even different beast altogether but for now I want to keep it very local and make it as big as it deserves to be it yeah it was it's funny, one of my friends tagged me on a post I wrote on her page eight years ago on March 14th and it was taken DJ Day by accident. So it's been a pun and a joke I've been making for so long. And I remember going onto Google the day after I came up with the idea and figuring out that it's not used it's and not that it's completely done. mine. So I bought the website, I, bought, <laughs> I have the Gmail yeah. address, right? I'm like, okay, maybe this is my cool idea to yeah. positively impact the world. My, my choice every day is to try my absolute best to tilt the world towards heaven more than hell. I don't succeed every day, but I think with something like this and what I think has the potential to be a movement towards change and conversation and, and betterment is exactly the type of positive implementation of, of mindfulness and just... Yeah, it's a completely different approach. We've tried giving money to charities, but effectively we're putting a band-aid on something. Yeah. We're, we're feeling better about it, but it's not actually doing anything per se. We, we have charities in place, but they're all for men who've fallen on hard times. I don't want to be approaching a conversation necessarily with someone who's fallen on hard times. I want to get there before the itch even settles in. Prevention, not cure, like, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's a ticketed-only event. Yes. Where can people buy tickets? So you will go to Steak and DJ Day on Facebook and the Eventbrite uh, event is there. So it, how it works is 6.50 the doors open, you can pick between four food settings. So you can come in at 6.50 and you can stay there and enjoy the fun. And then your food will come at either 7, half 7, 8 or half 8. Perfect. And of course we will share the details of this on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, more than happy to support this absolutely brilliant event Thank run you. by one of my good friends one of the most colorful people i've ever met in waterford uh beckett thanks for coming on Snowcast. it's been an absolute pleasure just fucking chilling and chatting to you oh by the way i just want to give a shout out to yellow belly beer and uh, we forgot because we we just actually got, got so in, busy yeah, um i had just guys it's a saturday uh, a lot going on and like Becca's been so kind and generous so her time to come in and meet me um, on a time that, that suited me. Saturday at 3 o'clock, so I've got the car, so I've got a lovely 1.5% uh, um, sour from Yellow Belly Beer. It's the Han Solo, again, great play on words. Um, love 1. Star 5%, Wars. Love Star Wars. Han Solo, 1.5%, really tart, lovely. Um, just like an explosion of flavour in your mouth. And at 1.5%, you can have one and drive. And... Becca, you... I had the Maisovice alcohol-free. So I've been completely sober for 11 months, which is what's in part impacted my life very positively. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but if I knew how to be a functioning drinker, I would be. And yeah. I don't. So my positive reframe of mind was to stop drinking completely. So I had that. I really like the taste of beer, so I miss the taste. I also really enjoy non-alcoholic gin, because gin would be one of my favorite poisons. It's hard enough to find in Waterford 
So I drink a lot of tonic water to compensate for mm. that. But today we went for this. Arkin stores have a good selection of non-alcoholic gins. I know, and you can get them in Holland and Barrett as well. You get the little tiny it? bottles for three quid. Every so often I'll throw myself a bone. Brilliant. Brilliant. Becca, thanks a million. Thank and uh, listen, guys, we'll share all that information. Go and uh, like Steak and DJ Day on Facebook. Ticks are on Eventbrite. Talk to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.